Hello, welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece universe front to back. I, as always, am the super veteran, the winged man, Justin, joined by my co-host and super rookie, the bear that suplexes beasts in the beginning of the movie, Jacob. Both of these nicknames are so good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I honestly really like the bear that suplexes beasts. I had to add it. I added in from the beginning of the movie because I think it makes it better. Uh, either, either way, dude. Either way, it was so good. Hi, everybody. I'm Jacob. Um, today, we are talking about the One Piece movie, Strong World. Is this the ninth, tenth movie in the series? I think it's this the is, tenth? I think it's movie ten. Either way, it's Strong World. Everyone knows what Strong World it's, is, I'm pretty yeah. sure. It's it's the good one. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is like the first uh, strong. I think this is the first One Piece movie where this straight up looks like it is an actual movie that looks like the anime got a huge budget upgrade, right? Because movie six had a unique style, unique spin, and I absolutely love that. But a lot of people are still like, that's not quite what One Piece looks like to me, what I'm used to. Strong World's like, no, we got you. Like, this is like our first like feature film, two hours long animation colors quality cinematography choreography it's all here and best of all we have oda helping with the at very least the outlines right of the script for this movie not the actual script writing i don't think so even though it says oda presents yeah we hope we actually hope not there's actually a big gripe we have with a certain part of this movie but we regard that it's it sounds sort of like a George R. R. Martin presents Elden Ring kind of thing where it's like, no, he wrote the background and key details of like the Golden Lion, maybe the uh, the archipelago that's floating in the sky, right? Like maybe loads of key details, but for the actual plot, I don't know if he directly wrote well, it. My, my impression of this is that Oda did write the plot and he had some involvement in the story, but Oda's not a screenwriter. That, mm-hmm. That's a very specific skill, right? Exactly. He's and a I believe writer. the screenwriter that is also listed as a writer in this movie uh, I believe Hirohiko Uesaka could Possibly. be wrong, but I believe that person actually wrote the script, and I think Oda just kind of helped oversaw it and gave him the ideas, right? Or vice versa, like maybe Oda wrote the outline, and then he was like, okay, that this could work better for a movie format, this won't, because it's not a manga, we don't have the time for this, so that's what I'm thinking too. So it's a co-writing segment, but either way, when you're watching this movie, like the advertisement did not hold back, right? They're like, this is Oda's feature film, presented <laughs> right. by Oda. And uh, I was looking up details, too, before this movie released. Like, there was massive marketing for this movie in Japan. If you were, like, the first million people to go see this movie, you got, like, a free, like, mini, like, what, Volume Zero? What was it called? Like, a free physical copy of uh, yeah, volume, volume Zero. Yeah, to go with this movie. That was the backstory for The Golden Lion. So you literally would sit in the theater as, like, you know, the ads are playing or, like, you know, you're waiting for the ads and you're just reading the volume before the movie starts, which is a fantastic idea, by the way. Yeah, that sounds pretty lit. So props to the marketing team for that. And overall, yeah, like as you can tell from our reaction, like this movie is fucking fun with an asterisk, but still fucking fun. Looks great. We mentioned already it looks beautiful. The location, the Marvel Archipelago is probably the second or even best movie location so far. Besides uh, the besides the animals. <laughs> one of the competitors. Um the best locations. Clockwork Island was still pretty damn pretty good. good. I think this one too. takes it for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you. Like, <sighs> even, really but like the deadly Island, animals, <laughs> the killer animals. Yeah, are I scary. really like killer animals. That's a trope I enjoy. You know what? If you go on a expedition team to this location, just hire the straw hats to protect you. You should be fine. <laughs> uh, be a just, fun time, also. 
yeah, it brought me a fun time. Luffy will have fun too. Um, the animals are fantastic too. Like you hear earlier that my nickname, the beast that soup, the bear that soup picks is beasts. And it's like, yeah, all these animals are like super steroided animals. They're like a mixture of at least two different animals. So imagine like Avatar lost airbender creatures, but they've been given some juice, but you know, and all fighting each other. To kill you? All the time, all the time. Um, yeah, like I would honestly say if you were to compare this to Skypia, for example, like location wise. It doesn't have the history that Skypia does, which Skypia is almost unmatched at this point, right? The yeah. the Nolan backstory, the overall connection with the um the Poneglyphs. This visually is more stunning. It's more beautiful. You have like every biome. You have deserts, you have tundras, you have forests, jungles, all the above. All types of creatures here too. Unfortunately, it's for a shitty reason. We'll get in that to a bit, like yeah, in the, universe the, reason. Just the the floating island cluster is such a good idea. It really makes sense given you know Shiki's powers and abilities. So it would have kind Absolutely. of been a missed opportunity to not do it. So very well Absolutely, played. the main island that has the the ocean floating underneath it with the rainbow and the mountaintop. I'm just like Jesus Christ. That's a that's a Disneyland location right there. <laughs> put that in a theme park. Um, put that yeah, next to the stunning, Water Seven. Really stunning location. Yeah, put the Archipelago theme park next to the Water 7 theme park. You'll, you'll make money, I swear. <laughs> Figure out how to get <laughs> floating technology somehow. Okay, I'm sorry. I've been beating around the bush here. I just want to present how beautiful this movie is, location-wise. Enough delay. Justin, let's get into the drip check. You ready? Yeah, you have to. The first thing we see in this movie, basically, is Luffy when he comes through the branches. And he <sighs> looks great. He, it's his, it's like a mark up from his usual way, right? Because he always has like the open vest and the pants, but it's this, like, like it's actually his best look ever. I think. Yeah, like and that's a standard look, and it's the blue vest. It has like bandaged pockets because obviously Luffy doesn't need pockets in his vest, so he ripped them off and then he he stitched them back up with band aids, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's jumping around with flight goggles and a helmet. Like he's full of exploring and adventure. He probably borrowed that from Usopp, but he's having a fantastic time, and that's like the first thing we see. Did you want to cover, like, each character just so that we're organized in that way by characters for the drip check? Yeah. Yeah. So... Because each character has, for everyone listening, I'm sure most of you have seen it, but I think three, at least three outfits each at in this least, movie. At least three outfits each, yeah. I think maybe Chopper might have had two. Nope, still three. Never mind. Yep, Chopper everyone has three, at least yeah. three. Some characters having four. Um, but yeah, so Luffy started off with that, right? Probably his best standard look he's ever looked. Um, at the beginning of the movie, he just had very he had he had fine swim trunks, right? But they look good on him. They look comfy. They look great. Um, but boy, because you know how there's there's levels, right? There's the introduction looks, there's the adventurer looks, and then there's the drip look, right? There is like the mm -hmm. suits, the party look, like we're crashing this party. Luffy, uh, his party look, I was not ready. I will be honest. When he came out of the smoke and he had the overcoat. With the gold trims at the bottom, and he had the the black tie with the maroon shirt. I'm like, is this Luffy? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that dude was so. Oh my god, that, that's so... like a pirate king level look. Honestly. Exactly, like like this motherfucker is here to fuck. Okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. and he did not disappoint. I was supposed to like jump around, but just like the cinematography in that scene as well, when he strolls up, like with the light lit from behind him, you know, just a silhouette. The outfit's like revealed, his overcoat. My god, my head cannon, my head cannon is that Usopp actually had this whole planned out. He's like, okay, we're gonna come out of the smoke, we're gonna be looking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna buy that because because I say Usopp because he was the first one to try and 
the second one, I think, to try and kick the door open, but he failed, and then Sanji had to do it for him. Because <laughs> Usama was like, no, yeah, I'm going to do this for him. Through, like, he kicked <laughs> yeah. it, and his foot goes through the, the bunch of paper. Yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So Luffy, I think, probably had like the strongest surprise for the drip check, because, again, if you can get Luffy in a whole suit like that, with the overcoat and everything... Okay, he came he to make like, a statement, bro, in that Absolutely. Fucking Obviously, he did. He was he was <laughs> no. using the guns. He was like, I could very easily go wild right now and do some whips like I normally do. No, like yep. I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, uh, like, he knew what he was doing, bro. And not even to the like, not even to the Golden Lion and his new crew. Like, no, it's to the audience. Like, I'm here to look this good. I just choose not to. <laughs> it was incredibly impressive. I'm, I'm proud of my boy Luffy. Um, Zoro, usually the other one that uses very bl- usually bland and looks, also looked fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Um, the first one he had like a maroon long sleeve button up with like a like a pink purple stripe vertical stripe on like his left side. That was, yeah, that was again a like a designer look. shirt. Like you were not exaggerating when you told me that a lot of these drips that the straw hats wear are like straight up from magazines. Yeah. Or or like like frontline stores and you're just like okay yeah like <laughs> absolutely i really like um, zoro's adventurer look because absolutely. i feel like it, it actually feels like something he would wear in the manga because it's, it's basically the from the bottom down the same right he's got his his belt on the stash the mm-hmm. same pants even he does have some new boots on though i appreciated that some new shoes the and design got, like that brown brownish tan shirt with like the triangle trim right and his oh, bandana yeah. I was I was gonna ask about that trim, um, that because it's like a blocky design. Did you get like Mayan themes? I Mayan did. Vibes I got from like, like okay. a native vibes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was intentional too, because again, like because again, it's like Skypia but movie version. So we gotta have like the adventurer look a little bit. So Zoro's you know fitting the look. I love the band, the headband he had. It wasn't his usual black bandana, but it yeah, still it looked it had like really yellow kind of like sword ish patterns on it, right? It was red. Uh, it was red. It had flower patterns. Like it, it wasn't a sunflower. I forget what flower it was, but it had like again, it, it almost looked like a like a hippie headband, almost like he got from Brooke or something, because it looked like really good on him. I thought they were that. like little bladed thing. I didn't look that that carefully. I noticed the flowers. It could have been both. Um, and then his uh his party look, right? His suit look. It was very standard, but it was looked great on him. It was like it was a white and black suit. His tie was a little loosened to match like yeah, his personality like a vest, a bit. right? Like a vest, long sleeve, white, and a loose tie. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when the fights occur, they lose the jackets pretty quickly, except for Sanji. But when when you see them first with the jackets, it, it, it hits the mark. It, it does a good enough job. It's yeah. Great. Um. Yeah, because he had like a yeah, he had a loose tie and he had a flat collar. Like he stretched it out so that he could still look around and fight already. Right. <laughs> so that fit his personality a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of like a the character of Bakugo from My Hero Academia. Whenever he has like the formal wear, he always has like a loose tie, like undone collar. He has the same kind of look. So Zoro was matching that too. Um, next character for the drip, probably the winner of the overall wardrobe or contender is Nami, because she had five <sighs> Nami different looks. Nami. Yeah, she had five different looks in this movie, and all of them, even like the very simple ones, are like no, she makes them look great. It's like just because it's Nami, though, you know? <laughs> Even if it wasn't her... That's like, was... obviously, Robin is high up there. It's because it's Robin. <laughs> That's why I said contender. Yeah, contender. Because the first time we see Nami, she just has... Uh, she has, like, the blue and white bikini when she's swimming around when she's captured. When we have, like, no context. But we get, like, all those um, very, very intentional ass shots of her. I don't mind. But, <laughs> like, listen... Fan service is fine if you can throw in something else at the same time. She was planning an escape route, okay? She saw the vents underwater, right? 
So it was worth it. Sure. That's why we got that's why we got her into the blue-esque choreography for that scene, okay? Um and then when we get to the flashback when they first meet the golden lion, the main villain in the movie, she just has like the the white tank top and blue pants, but again, Still like you good. said, it's Nami. So I like that good. one cuz it it reminded me of her original outfit. A little bit, yeah, even more simple. It was kind of like a yeah, like a remixed version. Yeah, we're not even talking about the hair either, but like most of the movie too, she has like a mini ponytail the first time and then she has like the twin tails later on again great look for her um i think the most iconic look for her obviously is probably her um her <laughs> quote-unquote adventure look where she has like the like the, the rainbow tube top and the daisy dukes yeah that's just way out there <laughs> the first time you see it she's like putting on the dukes it's right in front of the camera and i'm just like of course thank you cameraman <laughs> thank you for reminding me she too has an ass and not just cinematography <laughs> 10 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> incredibly intentional honestly um, though well i really did enjoy the cinematography in this movie there's some really really nice and beautiful shots and scenes yeah it's nice of you to bring that up right after we talked about the nami ass shot too. well that's <laughs> what made me think of it so <laughs> exactly <laughs> i didn't pretend that that's not what happened yeah, yeah 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 uh we'll definitely get uh more into like the actual really really good cinematography shots and not just the fan service too but it's like no he's absolutely right it's a mixture right if you're getting the fan service shots we're getting the full 10 out of 10 experience. When you're getting the full setting shots, you get the 10 out of 10 experience. Um, unfortunately, for the Nami drip check for the party look, she got the worst one because this wasn't her with yeah. the straw hats. She was the one outlier. She got hoed in that scene. Yeah. That's so she, unfortunate. Like it, but if you watch the movie, it does make sense. But I still agree. Yeah, at the she, same she time shouldn't well. have been there. But it's like... As someone writing the movie, I'm like, you can't do this without having everyone there. Yeah, because everyone else is, like, showing it's awesome. up. Like, everyone else is showing up, like, 11 out of 10, like, looking back in black, like, looking amazing. And then Nami looks like she's getting dressed for, like, a funeral with, like, the pink. <laughs> yeah. With, like, the pink drape around it to try and spice it up. Because, obviously, she's meant to be dolled up by the Golden Line at this point, because she's been a, she's a taken prisoner again. And she's going through a really bad time at this moment, so contextually it makes sense but you're also going like but everyone else got the great formal look and nami did it god damn it <laughs> they try to fix it right where when she gets back to the straw hats she rips the dress down so then you see like the girdle belt and the thigh highs but at the same time it's like but you had to rip the dress yeah and it kind of it, it took away from it a little bit um I can't, I really do actually like the last look we see her in the movie where she's just wearing like the white just shirt. Just the long sleeve shirt, yeah. Yep, just the long of, sleeve shirt. Of course you like that one. I'm not going to go into detail why. <laughs> <laughs> just just know it was a fantastic But we'll just look. repeat, she's only wearing a long sleeve shirt. I think she's wearing underwear underneath it, but... Pro I mean, probably, it's, but it's, the outfit it's is just a shirt. It's vague. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> um, the next person with the drip check is Usopp. I'm mixed about Usopp. I love it, and I'm also a little disappointed a little bit. Yeah, Usopp, Usopp has some interesting outfits here. Because the last two movies, he's had, like, the best drip, but... For almost every movie. He yeah. looks good in every movie. And, and this, this one, one he does have good drip. Don't get us wrong. He does have good drip in this movie. It's just everyone else is showing up, like, 11 out of 10, or 10 out of 10. Usopp's, like, an 8 or a 9, right? So I'm yeah. just like, that's a little sad. Um, the first time we see him, he's got like the, he has a weird look in the beginning. He has like a Pokeball looking it's hat. super weird. Yeah, referee jacket, a whistle, red shorts. And I'm just like, Usopp, what are you doing? I don't, I don't even know how to describe that hat, man. 
I'm, listen, I'm just calling it a Pokeball hat, and I'm leaning it at pink, that. pink, orange, and red, and black. It yeah. was strange. Very strange. I will say his adventure look is also, again, not bad, right? You got the race car helmet. You got the scarf. You got the yeah. tank top. You got the jacket wrapped around his waist. You know, he's coming prepared, right? Um, I want to say his formal look, it, this could have been the best of the bunch, but he overdoes it, unfortunately, because he had the pinstripe black That's and white suit. That's how I felt. Yeah, because the black and white pinstripe looked fantastic. However, he's wearing samurai armor over it, and I get it. It's Usopp. He's trying to be prepared. And I'm also like, <laughs> dude, lose the armor, yeah. please. If it was just Usopp, like no bandana, but he was just wearing the pinstripe suit, dude. That'd be nice. He would have won it. I think he would have won it. Even Maybe contender with Luffy, right? For the formal wear look, Luffy definitely won formal wear. Like, oh, no oh god, he did the, the biggest surprise and the biggest win at the same time. Um, Sanji had one look that I didn't like, but all the rest were really good. For I Sanji. didn't like Sanji's adventure outlook that much. No, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's like why? His... Why do they keep on putting Sanji in like above the knee shorts? Stop it! <laughs> it <looks laughs> Stop so doing bad. that. Movies. <laughs> it looks so bad. Yeah, like because okay, so that yeah, you're talking about the adventure look. Yeah, the black because. It's a, such a clash of colors, I think. It is a black cowboy hat, pink button-up shirt, red su- uh, underneath a red suit jacket. Yeah, and like um, the orange shorts, like kind of short shorts. Uh, like, uh, can't can't I be doing that to my boy. I, th- I saw it was like a light brown, but yeah, like a dark orange, light brown kind but of. I think they're almost exactly the same color as Usopp's pants, which I, I definitely thought were orange. <sighs> I'm probably thinking it wrong then, but yeah, either way, it was just so much colors where... They don't match very well because you got black and brown or orange. And then you also have pink and maroon red. Um, but that's like the one look that was like a five or a four for Sanji. Everyone else, everything else was like a nine or a ten for him. Um, in that flashback sequence when they're on with the talking about the golden lion, he's got that really like designer, like white, like a white sweater with the cargo shorts. That actually looked yeah, pretty good. That's it a looked good like look. it looked too rich for Sanji, but I'm also like, he looks makes it look good. He's wearing suits, so I'm just like, yeah, that's a good look. Sanji owns like the formal wear look as well, you know. That's he like does, his thing. yeah. Him and yeah. Brooke, you know, they were made for it. Also, if you want to look way too deep into it, foreshadowing that he came from a royal family because he's wearing like very high end clothing. <laughs> so I'm like, if you're looking way too much into it, um, and then for the party look, he's got his classic suit, right? But underneath it, he's got like blue with like a white dude polka dot, um white blue polka dots and he has like a little skull button yeah and he had like the like the yellow skull right yeah it actually looked or, really good yeah, like compared to like his, color, actually yeah because you compared to his, like his usual formal looks this actually did stand out even then um and at the very end of the movie he had like a bink put a bink button up bink pink i bleh, sorry bink? i cannot talk right now <laughs> bink pink. <sake>? yeah <laughs> bink sake uh <laughs> pink button up with a black vest and white tie and that was pretty good too so again this adventure look Put it back to the drawing board. Okay. Just go full Western or full, like, tourist. You can't do both. Okay. You know, Just... actually, when I'm looking at, like, the their outfits again from that, mm-hmm. I know I said Luffy won easily in formal wear, but Frankie actually looking pretty clean. You want to go to Frankie right now? I was trying to go in order of like appearance for the straw hats, but we'll go to Frankie right now. I just um, I just have to comment now that I think about <laughs> it. Like he's wearing pants, which is just, just unusual. Gonna, <laughs> I was just gonna but say he looks good in pants. I was just gonna say the most surprising part, because I know we said Luffy won the surprise for the formal wear. 
does through the runner-up for the biggest the best surprise is frankie because yes as justin said he is actually wearing pants for the first time in one piece history and not like cut but like cut up shorts it's like no it's actual slacks it's like pants. it's actual they fit they look good even for a cyborg body like him it suits i him. mean it's so it's so crazy we got to see this dude's butt cheeks before we saw him wearing pants but we're but we were here to see him wear pants and i'm so proud of frankie <laughs> and ignoring the fact that he finally has pants like that look overall does look good like he's got like the hawaiian like the hawaiian button up underneath the jacket yeah and he comes in like armed like he's got like the biggest cannon he's got like a grenade strap in front of it too but he looks good he's got like the, the golden chain around it too uh just frankie's former look was so good um his other looks were kind of ridiculous were, but they they, okay. they fit but they fit frankie they fit frankie yeah there's kind of um, normal frankie outfits honestly yeah for the first time we see him uh he's wearing like a greaser jacket with like punk hair and i'm like okay it fit too because like for like a quarter of the movie he's like driving a motorcycle or like an animal motorcycle thing so yeah, lobster. It, it, yeah it fits the look um the the flashback sequence we see him wearing like <laughs> this is like when he's the most ridiculous uh, a t-shirt, a green t-shirt. I think that was his best outfit, honestly. <laughs> I like that. Frank, it's I, I, the hair. Frankie looks good with weird, like, ha- post-time skip, we have the hair, hair, right? Is I'm, it the hat or the hair? It, it's the hat, but it reminds me of the new uh, thing that he can do with his it hair. It does, yeah. The, the new, Frankie the looks new. good, like, with canon hair or, you know, like, Swayden's hair up to him or stuff, so he looks good with weird stuff on his head. Maybe Strong <laughs> World inspired Oda a little bit when he saw it, you know? The <laughs> Maybe best. it was his idea. The best part about that hat is that there's a mini cannon on top of it. And you're just thinking, how do you load the cannonball? How does it work? The answer is, don't question it. It's Frankie. He's a cyborg. He'll work it out. <laughs> now I really want banana hair. I want Frankie to do the banana hair. I want a <laughs> banana cannon. <laughs> Effective as well. Um, and then his final look, he get, like he has a nice orange polo shirt with like circleish patterns all over it. A good final look for Frankie. Um... Oh, we cannot sleep on it because usually the worst drip is usually Chopper. Chopper got some good looks in this movie he too. He did. He really um, did. It's it's not the coolest look, but by far the cutest look is in the flashback. Chopper is wearing like a pink bear onesie. Yeah, I was I was not ready for that either, and I'm just like, this movie. As amazing. soon as you see it, you're like, you got to do it for the merch, right? <laughs> this movie's amazing. I want to know how many people have chopper plushies with that onesie i have to know i'm, I'm sure there's a, a significant number of fans I, ho- I hope more than i think <laughs> because that was like the merch the merchandise makes itself i hate doing the like writing for the merchandise team but i'm also just like guys it's right there i mean guys. that was clearly <laughs> intended right like yeah, if it was then i'm just like you know what gotta give props for you for the marketing for that too because goddamn that was a freebie right um his adventure look was probably the most bland, probably, but it's still fine because he got like a great tank top. He's got like the the sea flower logo that reminds me of like SpongeBob. Yeah, kind of like a red over, right, or the or the backpack. Yeah, the little bit of the flower design. But his formal wear was also really fucking good. He looks like a bouncer. Yeah. He's got the black jacket, blue button up, pinkish red tie, and it fits him so that when he's transforming in and out of his form. He still has the look. So he's got like the Hulk fabric. <laughs> so it fits no matter what. It's fantastic. Um, I think... Okay, I'm looking more into it. I think I have to say the the winner of the wardrobe overall is Robin. I think I have to say it. I think I might agree. Because 
because you're talking about right how like the nami wardrobe it looks great but it's because nami is wearing like the casual outfits mm-hmm. robin doesn't care if it's casual or not she's gonna wear something and every unique look is gonna be iconic and unforgettable even if unfortunately she is sidelined pretty hard in this movie yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna forget what she looks like at all <laughs> no matter what so first time we see her she is a persona character she is the sexy librarian with a striped long sleeve sweater, Such a good nylon look. boots. I thought she was Tishigi at first. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. The glasses. the glasses. It was the glasses. I'm sorry. But it's still, again, like, I'm a met, especially when you have that intro part, like we haven't talked about it yet, but the intro part of the movie where we're introducing all the characters, all the colors and the camera angles moving. I'm just like, is this Persona 4? <laughs> is this <Yeah>. Persona 3? <laughs> and then you see Robin. I'm like, oh, it's a Persona character. <laughs> straight up she um looks great there absolutely and she's in that look i think for the most of the movie she's again she's not in the movie that much unfortunately but yeah that's the look people will probably remember robin for this movie um and the flashback we she's even wearing like like an orange summer dress with like polka dots it's a very like summer spring look it looks fantastic um very homey yeah and like, a, f- like a sundress kind of mm-hmm. and then her formal wear incredibly sexy you got the old overcoat black dress you got a huge stomach belt going across right and leggings to go on top of that it's very powerful very sexy all at once and the last look like the last five minutes of the movie where she's just standing that hasn't has like one or two lines and it's like the designers also did not just pull back on it she has like a loose open blue and purple top with a necklace mm-hmm. waist jewelry dark jeans belt they put way too much effort into that look. It must have been like a like a, the original concept design maybe for her. And they just put it on her for the end of that movie. Because it's just like, it's too good not to just throw it away. We have to use it somewhere. It, it's actually <laughs> unfortunate that it was such a short period she was in it. It was. Like, even overall in the movie. Because, again, we'll get more into it once we talk about the plot and the characters. But Robin was unfortunately sidelined in this movie. But whenever you see her, she's looking 10 out of 10. She's looking fantastic all the way through. Um. We mentioned wow. Frankie, and then Brooks last, last, but not least. Definitely not least. Definitely not least. Brooke. Oh my god, Brooke. <laughs> Brooke is looking saucy in this film, y'all. Uh, dude, Brooke is a fucking bad bitch in this movie, okay? He's got the heels with his adventure look, okay? There are two people that I know that look, that uh, two swordsmen I know that make heels look fucking good. Okay, that's Ryan from Metal Gear Rising, and now Brooke. <laughs> okay, they make high heels look fucking good. Um, he's got like the full hippie aesthetic going on for like half of his 100%, outfits. It's full seventies. It's a little bit of like Elton John too for the adventurer because he's got like a mixture of like half half. He's got orange long sleeve, black vest pattern with daisies and slacks. One leg is white, other leg is black and white to match the top. Um, and then the flashback sequence, he's got like a more casual hippie look. Um, I used the, I didn't realize it, but I used a GIF at one point when I was sharing one of my tweets going about like, hey, we got a new episode coming out. And there was a GIF of <laughs> Brooks smoking a joint, I think. Yeah. When with Willie the comes headband out of his eyes and, and the polo top. It's so fucking great. <laughs> yeah. God bless and, this movie for that. <laughs> oh my God. God bless this movie for this. The drip, dude. Oh my God. I think is, I don't know if Sheikah Bane is a real brand, but that's what his shirt said Um, for that sequence. I don't know if it's a real plug-in brand or not, but that's, 
don't, I don't know if that's good. If that's good marketing, that's fucking good marketing, dude. Um, and then his formal wear, he doesn't wear his usual. Instead, he brings like a full-on top hat, orange and red striped button-up, popped-up collar, red tie. God fucking damn, dude! <laughs> this fucking movie strip. Yeah, there was there was some effort in that drip. Absolutely, like, in all this drip. Like we've we've been talking about the drip for almost a half hour now, and I'm <laughs> and I'm still going like it's that good. If you guys are listening to us audio and you haven't seen the movie whatsoever, look up at least screenshots of what the characters yeah, look like in this look movie. Because holy shit! Okay, so before so we, we're gonna close off the drip segment before we go into the movie, but I have to ask your top three, top three looks, not characters. Single, singular looks. looks, yeah. Singular looks. I like, okay, in, and I'll say no particular order. Robin in the orange sundress, like with the purple, orange and purple. Mm-hmm. Flashback. Uh, Frankie in the banana hat look. <laughs> also and, in the flashback. And Luffy's formal wear. Okay, so that's not bad at all. Um, I got Luffy's formal wear also in my top three. Um, I want to say Robin's adventure wear. And I want to also say, <laughs> I want to say also uh, Robin's formal wear. I don't know. <laughs> Either, okay, no, no, it's not, that's not fair. Robin has two spots. I'm going to say uh, Brooks Adventure Wear. I have to say Brooks okay. Adventure Wear. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I'm just so surprised when I see a swordsman in heels and they make it work. Again, because he's the the bad bitch Brooke. Okay, it, it works. <laughs> and it's his first movie, too. So it's so great yeah. that his first movie, he comes in swinging. He had a strong showing, actually, in this movie. Yeah. He was I part. know the, the whole act one kind of just blends together when they're all miscellaneously adventuring, trying to reform. His part was one of but the best parts. He though. does a lot. Yeah, he does a lot in that little section. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm glad to see because whenever I saw his like Fist of the North Stars type attacks, I only saw it in the manga form. It's great to see it in movie form, especially when he's. It's like actually a good segue because now we're talking about the movie. Um, when he's like walking, uh, through like the the crazy like you know ant army, right? But they're not eating him because he has no flesh. He gets offended into <laughs> his attack. Yeah. But but the crazy thing is that he just like he's just swinging as he's like running through them because they're ignoring him still as they're charging at um robin and frankie but after he does it frankie just like sh- like puts his gun away right and they just start walking towards the ants but they, no, they i like that safe. i love it so great but then brooke is taking his time right he's letting it sink in right he cut them up but then he's getting his sheath out he's slowly getting his sword in and then you get the close-up on his face he says the attack name close the sheath and then all the ants just collapse it was so great seeing that on the big screen because remember i haven't seen the anime and i haven't seen brook in action either in the anime oh wow yeah even i didn't think about that yeah so because i've seen multiple clips that you guys have been sharing with me thank you for that by the way but i haven't seen brook do that at any of his main attacks yet and frankly he doesn't have that many key attacks they're usually so quick you know they're quick and to the point this is the first time I saw it, and it was, like, in movie quality, and I'm just like, oh, so good. <laughs> it's so good. It was, what a great way to make your movie appearance. Oh, absolutely. Like, some of the other characters didn't have a good first movie appearance, but Brooke's like, uh-uh, I'm going in strong, man. <laughs> Hold my joint. I'm going in. <laughs> absolutely great. So, that's actually um, a great way to segue into it. So, right away... The movie has, in case you haven't noticed, we're talking about one part of like the first 10 minutes of this movie. 
this movie has as strong of an opening as as Dead End Adventure, where it hooks you in so quick. The first thing we see, the Navy is being under attack. You see Sengoku, you see Garp. They're like sweating, right? They're like, oh shit, like Golden Lion's back. You look up, you see this entire fleet of naval ships just floating there. And we were, and I remember this too, when we're talking about Punk Hazard, how crazy overpowered Lost Power looked when he flipped one ship upside down in the air. And now here's Golden Lion with a fleet of ships. Hold, just holding him up, no problem. And he's just laughing as he's making his great escape on his uh, his ship. Unfortunately, I don't think that ship has ever given a name. It is not. Maybe unofficially or an SBS, but not in this movie. I really wish it did, though, because a ship but with that unique of a design where it looks like it's stuck in the ground, right? Because, you know, that's how his power works. He needs, like, mm-hmm. solid ground or an object. And he has, like, a piece of a like a land stuck on the ship. I'm just thinking, like, wouldn't a good name be, like, the Gaia, right? Like, t- t- after the Titan of the Earth? And just be like, oh, it's the ship, the Gaia. Something like that. I don't know. I'm just spitballing names, possibly. And Golden Lion makes an escape, which, by the way, I was so convinced he was going to be a main character in the Chorus series, because I remember that name. It was the only person to ever escape Impel Down before Correct. the Straw Hats did. And I remember I made note of that in our episode, and I'm just going, like, it's got to be important. And I was so surprised that when Blackbeard showed up at Marineford, we never saw the Golden Lion or anything like that, right? I'm just like, no reference, nothing. Is he going to be, like, the big baddie that Blackbeard's going to recruit? No, he's in this movie. <laughs> so that was a, a great tie-in with that. So it was great to see him like that. And then after that segment showing off the Golden Lion, right, against the Navy, we then see Luffy in the forest part of, you know, we're not sure, like, he's just in the jungle, right? And you have, like, amazing lighting effects where he's, like, underneath the leaves yeah. and you see all the details of, like, which is the shade, which is the sun. And then Luffy just goes, all right, I need to find my crew. And then he just jumps, and he's just falling. And you see all the islands around him during this sequence. And I'm just like, what a great way to show off your animation, your budget, your cinematography, to be in line with your character, and to hook you in. This is the Merveo Archipelago. This is Strong World. What yeah. a fucking strong opening. They're, they're that really flaunting their production in that first couple minutes. Absolutely. And not even that one shot either. Like, I, I was, you know eyeing that porno of a shot but even after like he's running from these crazy animals juiced up on what we later learn on is like an artificial drug but you get like a bear suplexing a praying mantis you get the praying mantis like cutting up an like a giant kraken's arm to make it like mincemeat or something even when the the ants like jumped into the air and just completely shredded that shark fish like it all just looks so clean yeah, because you're like, oh, how threatening could juiced up ants be? They're still small. Like, sure, they got numbers, but how bad? And then they eat the shark, like, live as it's jumping through the air. You're like, oh, yeah, that's how deadly they are. Got it. <laughs> Before Brooke takes care of them. But yeah, like, you get a really good tone setter for this movie. So even if the quality was there, but you're not sure why it's there, it sets the establishment of how dangerous this place is, but also how gorgeous it is for the audience. And you're just immersed right in. Even... I would argue, like, because I said that the first half hour of Dead End Adventure feels perfect. I would say Strong World even surpasses that first half hour of Dead End Adventure with immersion. Because, holy shit, it sucks you in so good. Um, Even if you're not sure exactly, like, the plot-wise what's going on, because you just know the Straw Hats are separated, which is kind of a normal thing, right? We're used to Straw Hats being separated into groups at their beginning. 
but yeah so you're just like used to that part but then you're trying to pit the points of like what's going on who's missing who's that we get enough details of like oh nami got captured again i rolled my eyes i'll admit <sighs> I just again damsel in distress like toei oda please stop <laughs> please stop doing that like at least in this movie she does escape right she does yeah. get herself out it's not like clockwork island where she just accept the fact that she's just helpless but this one it's like no she actually escapes <laughs> she goes she like swims around in like a very nice looking pool she finds water vents finds her way out that way we get introduced to our villains right the golden lion who pretty good introduction it was so it's kind of jarring at the same time because it is a very very good introduction to the golden lion and his little uh his two henchmen I feel like the movie never captures that energy or magic ever again with the villains. Unfortunately, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because when they show up, they're literally doing a dancing they number. They like, literally ah. do a musical number, yeah. Yeah, and they're like in sync. It's again, the animator showing off, right? It's like, look what we can do. We can do Sakuga. We're going to show off a character who has no legs, but instead he has blades. We're going to have him do a dancing number. He's going to be in sync with these two other characters. All shapes and sizes, right? You have a clown that has that has a big beer belly. You got the gorilla yeah, with like a it kind of like Frankie body. Set the tone that he was cocky, like maybe even more cocky than he seemed in the rest of the movie. Like a different kind of suavely confident. Yeah, you know? he's playful. Like, and he was a like he really giving off that his plan was successful. He was about to pop off, you know. And his henchmen yeah. were right there with him. They're dancing the vibes, but they didn't really capture that later. The henchmen, especially. Yeah, so it feels so a little out of touch at the same time. Yeah, which is which is sad because this is when I most enjoyed the Golden Lion himself. I like the fact that this villain was cocky, but he was also very playful and proud of himself. Because the way I saw him is especially because he had the uh, that pet that duck peacock Beery. Um. I saw that scene as, as him doing his peacock dance because he's literally like, let's be honest, like he, he wanted Nami not just because she was also a navigator, but also because she was hot, right? He's calling her yeah, baby yeah. Chan. He's acting like he's, she's a new boy, girlfriend and he's doing like this dancing number, right? Where it's just like, oh, look at me. I'm doing some moves for you kind of thing. <laughs> and then the last shot, they're doing like their jazz hands, right? Where it's just like, you know, Nami's ass is like half the shot, but they're also doing their jazz hands where it's like, look, guys, this is what I got. This is what I won. So that's why it fit for that character. But like you said, it they really don't do more after that. And it sucks too, because even though I never liked Indigo, the clown, I don't understand the appeal of the fart the fart shoes. I don't get it. Yeah. It was funny like for a second. When when he's like, You really don't have any gag. other shoes. I thought it was, was funny. I right? thought it was but so much then, funnier. Then it's done. I thought it was so much funnier if he just lost his shoes and just kept it so that Indigo was like he always wanted to he like he was practicing sign language. But he could talk. He's not mute. He just wanted to practice sign language, and that was, like, his flaw, because he was, like, so dedicated to learning this thing. And then Lion just goes, what are you saying? And then the Indigo just speaks, right? We're just like, I'm saying this, motherfucker. Um, that was actually pretty funny, because there was actually that a part point, was, too. when he's like, holy crap, you can talk? Yeah. And there was <laughs> that, also that a part later in the movie where the gold, uh, Shiki, the Golden Lion, um, he can actually, he actually understood one of his hand sign languages and was like, okay, I'm on my way. And then Indigo's like set, sitting there for like five seconds going, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. he understood me. <laughs> so that was like a, a nice little cute moment. Um, yeah, I agree about the shoes though. Should have lost them very quickly. Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand the Scarlet running gag because they only did like twice where the gold lion thinks that the gorilla is like his mother or his aunt. But that and was also then, kind of funny, but they should have faced it time, out, yeah. maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, again, in that first introduction sequence, it's all funny and great. 
right? But they only do that joke again, like, one more time halfway through the movie, and we never get that again. So, it's it's a weird, like, dynamic where it's funny, but that's Yeah, they kind, of, they kind of drop the humor there with, like, the, the yeah. villains immediately. And it's just completely exactly. gone. Yeah, so the first time we see these villains at the next to the pool, it's the best they're all at. And unfortunately, after that, the, uh, especially the, the henchmen, they really start paling in quality. The gold lion becomes more powerful and intimidating, but then he also becomes like a generic shonen villain, unfortunately, because he loses that playful attitude. He loses yeah, that cockiness. Exactly. He just becomes like a default Yakuza boss by the end of the movie, and that's not as fun what, what, what we got, you know? Because even in the introduction... It shows how brutal he is, and that makes him like more of like a, a layered villain, right? Where he's like, no, he's playful and cocky, but he will shoot and kill his own henchmen if they fail him one time, right? And that's the scary part. Oh, right. He is a former rocks pirate. He's he is from that golden age, right? Before uh, Roger's death. He's from that golden group of people. The golden line, you know? And you get that reinforcement, but you can still keep that attitude. I don't know why they dropped the attitude, unfortunately. That's that to me is an example of like no Oda's like character design like no that first scene with the golden lion that's Oda right that's him going no this is the playful villain and unfortunately as the movie goes on the rewrites right all those horrible rewrites that that delayed the movie by six months then you get like more generic villains unfortunately because they have a fit for time or something you lose that playful attitude so if this arc was a manga this, these villains would have been a lot better. But Definitely. If they have more we time. Got, yeah, with what we got, they're unfortunately very limited. Which is a shame, too, because, again, the gold mine is connected to the main series with at least two name drops. So it's like, okay, so he's actually a part of it. But, eh, at the end of the day, it kind of sucks. At the, end of the, at the end of the movie, I ended up enjoying the pet more so than him. The Beery? The pet that helps Luffy, Nami. Uh, I'd say Billy. Billy? Yeah, because like, he has I, a bill, like a duck bill. That's true too. It's just a the, pronunciation thing, really. Yeah, the sub the version I watched it said B I R I. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a cute name, but Billy works too. Um <laughs> he was straight up just a Pokemon dude. <laughs> I like Billy. Yeah, he absolutely was. Um and of course he and Luffy got along fine because it's an electric peacock duck thing. And guess what? Luffy's immune because he's made of rubber. And so right away they point it out and they immediately get along because it's like, yeah, if you have a discharge, you have to do it. It's pretty fine. I can handle it. Um, and that's how, and that's why when they're escaping later on, Nami is on the back of Luffy, if I recall, and not like just behind him. She's like on top of Luffy. Yeah. So that if Beery, Billy has another discharge, she won't get shocked. <laughs> yeah, I like that's that, nice little that detail. detail as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we mentioned that stylish, wonderful opening. Um, and all the straw hats are separated. They're doing their own thing, right? Oh, sorry, sorry. I haven't got to the flashback. Sorry. So the flashback is our actual introduction explaining, right, how it got to like this, right? It's one week earlier. And the straw hats are sailing, right? The grand, the grand line. And they see this giant floating piece of earth, this Gaia flying above them. And they are, how do, how do they communicate with the snail phones, right? Did they uh, get no, with a tone dial. Tone dial. Okay. Um, and they're just floating above, but before they can actually talk to them or anything like that, Nami, you know, has the sixth sense, right? She senses that the, uh, the pressure's dropping. There's gonna be a cyclone. A nice callback, because again, that part's consistent with the movies and the main series, too. How cyclones are constantly coming up in the Grand Line. And she warns them, you know, go east, or, you know, turn away, right? And, but Golden Lion's like, 
what was what does she mean? Like, is it right? Because he has his own whole team, right? Of like uh, navigators, and they all go, "No, nah, it's fine. We don't get, we don't have anything on our radar." radar. Ultimately, storm comes up. They barely get out in time. He straight up shoots the guy cold right in front, right, and then decides. It was pretty obvious, right, at that point. Yeah. Self-explanatory. We're like, okay, he's gonna kidnap Nami because he needs a better navigator. And then the fact that she was also really hot to him was an icing on the cake. But that's your main motivation. And so she gets kidnapped after we get like, a whole sequence of like him making a deal with them where it's like, hey, if you guys want to come with us, we can take you to the East Blue. And that's where like the, the main plot progression will start from there, right? Like your little starting point where it's like, why the East Blue? Like besides the fact that's their home, right? But like, why does the Golden Lion want to go there? Yeah. Like, what's and so one? they get, yeah, they get partway there, but they end up being stuck on the archipelago, right? Floating in the sky. He does the backstab. Oh, before that, though, there's a crazy moment. It's more relevant because of me playing a certain game called Elden Ring lately. He's showing off his powers, right? <laughs> Justin knows right away. <laughs> um, he's showing off his powers, and he had, like, a weight. He just goes, anything I touch, it's zero gravity, and I can control them. So you're thinking, like, oh, like, Uraraka from My Hero Academia, but even more powerful because it doesn't make him sick. It seems almost infinite. There's almost, like, no downside. And, to that and it's more like telekinesis because he can actually control them while they're moving. It's almost like he can control the stars if he wanted to. Like a certain character from Elden Ring, General Radon, the Star Scourge. <laughs> so I'm just going like this. I, I texted uh, Justin as soon as I saw that. I'm like, it's literally General Radon. <laughs> <laughs> the timing was so great. I need to stop playing that game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so good. It's so good, though. Just like this series. Just like this movie. But yeah, so that, that is how we get our introduction to him. It's like kind of standard and almost cliche at this point, especially because it feels like Nami's always the one that's flexing to other crews, you know? A, li a little bit, yeah. So that's why, in terms of like motivation to get kidnapped, at least this makes a bit more sense where it's like, yeah, this guy needs a good navigator. She fits the bill, so he kidnaps her. But still, it's like, does a crew ever need, like, an archaeologist, a translator? What about Robin? What Honestly, about like, Frankie, Frankie is so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> He's why not so do impressive. The punk, why not do the punk hazard thing again where it's like, oh, these guys want to kidnap you because Also, hey, I understand that, you know, in this case, I guess he doesn't need a ship, right? Because his ship just kind of floats, you know? Yeah. But... He still has it, though. <laughs> For all time's <laughs> sake. He used to have a fleet. Do you want awesome cannons on your floating island? <laughs> yeah. More oh, we didn't talk about it that much, but we'll make a quick reference here, because Volume Zero, that goes with Strong World, apparently. Um, it's very short. It's a very good read. It's very fun. Oda written, wrote the whole thing. Um, it does Canon, flesh out... Yeah, it does flesh out the Golden Lion's backstory and motivation a bit better. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, well, the movie is the movie itself. That's what yeah. we're talking about. The Volume Zero is definitely, like, a good, like, starting point before watching this movie, but it's not mandatory. It does help a lot, though, with understanding the main villain. Just understand that you're not going to get that much more of the villain character-wise, unfortunately. But, hey, Oda tried his best. Um, we also, at this point, when uh, the trio, right, Croc, uh, I almost said Crocodile, the Golden Lion, um, Indigo, and Scarlet, they're talking to Nami, explaining, like, what the whole purpose of the, the islands are, right? And he talks about this whole, this has also Oda written all over it, the biomes of these islands, right? Where it's like, these islands have a plant that can exude this chemical called IQ. It allows animals and even human beings that we learn later 
to evolve at such a rapid pace that's so broken, right? Instead of like millions of years of evolution, it's like a like a decade or a month, <laughs> right? It's so quick in the evolution process to fit the biome or the environment they're in. And so the villain motivation comes in as well, where it's like, oh, I have my doctor here, this clown with fart shoes. Um, he developed an SIQ drug where we implemented into these animals. And so they not only evolve even faster, but they basically develop like a very violent tendency, right? So they get like super violent, much bigger, much more muscular, but they're fighting each other all the time. Hence the title of the movie, Strong World. At this point in the movie, I really thought, because of the character introduction, right? How he's like very playful and cocky, but also cold, right? That I thought his main plan at this point was going to be, oh, he's a lunatic and he's going to have like, do you remember that old book, the, like the strongest game or like the, the most best dangerous game? game, the most dangerous game. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Where it's literally about people being captured. And then like these reach this, these like rich hunters, these elitists are out to hunt them in the wild. I thought he was gonna do something like that, but with like pirates and animals. And like, you know, hunt, and testing cool. himself. <laughs> I really thought cool. he was gonna do that straight up. I thought I was like, oh, because you know, the title I mean, Strong World. I mean, that wouldn't have been cool. Would have been really cool for the movie. <laughs> it would have been. What we still got was also really cool, but that's what I was thinking was gonna happen yeah. here, right? So, you know, keep it more contained. That's why like this island's here, right? Where it's like, oh, you have to survive. You have to be the strongest to go from biome to biome against all these animals. If you're the strongest, I will invite you to my crew and you can join me in my little club as we Right. You maybe know, like do you this drop shit. the pilot or the pirates on like the outside of the island, gonna make your way to the center. Something Exactly. <laughs> Give them like a literal quest line, right? Where it's like, no, survive, get to my palace, and I'll invite you to my crew. That's like a whole other movie. There you go, Straight Oda. up. <laughs> Straight up. Um but yeah, so the SIQ serum is like the main, like one of like the main MacGuffins of the movie where it's like this is the main threat in some way. Because I think we can just say it now, right? Honestly, ultimate... it, it it is supposed to be, but it's also not it at all. Yeah, it's it, completely it's irrelevant. Yeah, we're told this, but ultimately, we as the audience, when we get like the main plot going on, we really don't care that much about it because there's other shit that we're being like distracted his with. his big twenty year plan and everything he's been working towards doesn't even matter. It's literally it just comes down to like Luffy versus him again, which yeah. is expected, but you know. <laughs> Which like, is also on. incredibly disappointing because it also ends up being a more complex version of saying taking over the world, but with a little bit more of a plan than, you know, like the mech guy in movie seven. But there's to be totally a plan honest, that... it's like a really stupid plan to take over the world. It is. It really is. But his plan basically like, yeah, we're, we're talking about SIQ. So we're just, might as well talk about his main plot and why we ultimately don't care about that. Is... Well, that basically is the plot. Make all the animals super strong and then set them loose. Oh, sorry, the actual objective plot. Sorry, I'm talking about the audience. We don't really care about that, really, because we care about the other part of the movie, the main critical part that we're going to talk about in detail when we get there. The uh, the fake out, basically. We might um, as well that, just just go there. <laughs> uh, almost there. I want to get to that point. I want to get to that point. But yeah, objectively, the plot was he was going to release like all the strongest animals in the East Blue, right? Let them ravage that part of the planet because it's the weakest, right? And then have the Marines and Navy so stretched out that they're dealing with all those incidents. And then once they're spread thin, then the gold mine comes in with his newfound crew and wipes out the government, wipes out their whole army force and comes out on top. Right. That's basically his taking over the world plan. Wouldn't work, but that was his plan. Hey, hey, extra step. Um, 
yeah, so Nami escapes, they all reunite, they meet up in this village with a bunch of uh, wingmen, a bunch of wing people. They're cute designs, but ultimately they don't do that much other than to show us that there's they, another... They do nothing. Absolutely yeah, they're, nothing. they're literally there to do more world building. Because one of the characters is like a little girl's grandmother, and she's suffering from what they call daft. And it's ex being exposed to the chemicals around this plant that's like a repellent against those very violent the, animals. The little girl does something. She finds Zoro and gets him unlost. That's it. A plot I'll device. give her credit. It's a plot device. <laughs> I think, yeah, but you're right about that. Um, but yeah, it's introduction to that plot point because that's also how we get like fake tension later on in the movie with, a, with one of the straw suffering from death. So it's basically to introduce that part of the movie as well to add some tension but again this is riots you know they're not gonna die um, obviously yeah i still just like, like the to world set building. up the fun act one that we get yeah that's why i i do wish that strong world had its own full manga arc because i feel like this part would oh, have been dude, expanded it would be, a lot it would more. be great yeah honestly. the villagers that are forced to evolve because of the iq plants and they eventually like they're forced to uh grow wings right because remember when frankie asked the the bartender like how do you grow wings? And she's like, oh, because we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, she's telling the truth. They, they're, they're living near the IQ plants, or at least in the biomes, right? Um, but they're also forced to live within those the daft green plants because those animals will tear them apart otherwise. And we see that later in the movie when the golden lion like takes apart some of the daft greens and sets loose some of the animals to test them out. Really dark scene. Um, so yeah, they're unfortunately just there to be like, you know, as world building aspects, but they're not expanded on too much because movie runtime, you know, two hours, they have to focus on Straw Hats, you know? Um, yeah, which I'm totally fine with, honestly. You know, it's yeah. okay. For the most part, it does work out. Um, most of the Straw Hats reunite. We actually do get a really do funny sequence uh, with Sanji where he is so stressed because Nami and Robin are missing. We get that dramatic close-up on his face, the Sakuga <laughs> animation of him going, Nami! Robin! <laughs> You're getting every detail of his face muscles, but he's, like, losing years of his life due to the stress. And then he finds Nami, finally, right? And he goes, I was so worried I can finally sleep. And then he instantly collapses, passes out. But then he shoots right back up going, oh, shit, I haven't found Robin yet. <laughs> So yeah. it's like, oh, poor Sanji. He was actually pretty funny in this movie. I'll give him props for that. His that funniest... That's like the funny Sanji. I agree. His, his funniest scene was at the end when he got outshined by Brooke when they're trying to save Robin. And Ro Sanji was so Brooke, mad man. at him. Brooke just coming out. <laughs> Brooke's like, dude, it's my first movie. I'm going to do everything so stylish. <laughs> um, okay, so most of us rides reunite. The Golden Lion tracks down Nami via basically like a surveillance snail, right? Finds Nami, goes after her. We get a great wide shot of the Straw Hats looking up at the Golden Lion on like a Stonehenge. That, that's one of those scenes that I was talking about, specifically Absolutely. when mentioning cinematography. That shot is great. Yep. Put that shit on your poster. <laughs> Make that your poster, man. And don't express it. Um, the, and that's the introduction. And then we get to see him in action. Um, this first action scene would start off really good, but it really ended anticlimactically a little bit to me personally, because uh, that's kind of how I felt too. The, the first like 
attack from everyone like the initial skirmish is actually super dope you have yeah, like luffy have, does an initial have... attack he jumps up usopp's like all right that's basically game he's in the air but you know he shoots him when he where trajectory should be Shpiki, you mm-hmm. know kind of floats out of the way and they're like this is awesome it was great yeah there was a great tag team combo where they're all like covering each other pushing each other forward to get zoro in there to try and get one attack on golden lion but for some reason the movie decides zoro's gonna be really weak suddenly Zoro gets, like, one attack in. Golden Lion just goes, eh, I'm gonna throw you guys away. And then he just brushes off Zoro, like, no problem. That felt, like, really weird. Yeah, yeah he got a, a case of plot weakness. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But it was just weird seeing it to Zoro, of all characters, you know? Um, And then Golden Lion, this part I wasn't thrown off by. It was just that little sequence right there where all this buildup and then Zoro was just kind of, like, bitch slapped away a little bit. And I'm just like, really? You had all that buildup and that's what it led to? But, and then... I just I just caught myself, sorry. I don't like calling him Shiki. I'm sorry. The Golden Lion is such a good, <sighs> strong title yeah, that I good. will I will say that over and over rather than Shiki. Also yeah. because Yeah, I have no respect for him, so Shiki it is. Also <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to call him that though, because I'm gonna do Evangelion memes, dude, because he sounds too much like Shinji. <laughs> Getting the fucking robot Shiki. <laughs> Get the fucking robot. Sorry. Um, I just caught myself that. Sorry. So the golden lion takes care of the straw hats. He swallows them up with his earth. Like, it turns out his gravity powers are even more OP because he can manipulate gravity even if he's not directly touching it. And he just... Yeah, it's controlled... like actually telekinesis after he's touched it. Yeah. So he straight up, like, gets them sucked into, like, this, like, obelisk-looking tower. Knocks them all out, basically, except for one of them. And it does look pretty daunting, right? Because it looks like swirled. It almost looks uh, supernatural in a way. And Nami is like looking up there going, oh shit. And there was a callback to one of the quotes he says to Nami. I don't have the exact quote. But basically, you can summarize it down to the quote from the Godfather, which is, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. And it's a repeat here where basically you're going to want to join my crew in exchange for a favor, right? The offer. And But we get that at the beginning of the movie. We're just going, okay, it's foreshadowing. We get the foreshadowing here now. And it's all starting to hit in. And the movie does a really good job setting in how bad this is for Nami. Because she's straight up like doing her thing, right? We talk about the differences in the straw hats of how they approach certain crises or scenarios. Nami is always the one that goes for the long-term plan, right? She's not afraid to bite the bullet to her pride or to her ego. Yeah. If it means siding with, siding in quotes here, with a villain temporarily, right? In order to wait for the opportune moment to escape, to backstab, whatever. Like, if you remember Skypia, for example, she was with Eneru for a bit. Because she knew she was going to fight a lightning god, basically. Exactly. <laughs> she was, he said, yeah. let's go, and she's not, yeah, she's not going to say yeah. no. Yeah, but she's not, it doesn't mean that she's switching sides, right? It's like, no, she's just waiting for her time to get out. And then for Skypia, we're talking because Luffy showed up, right? And so in this case, I saw like, okay, it's still not with the character. She's going to do it again. And they really do a good job selling it too, because uh, uh, the Golden Lion basically demands that she begs, basically, right? And then you see the life, like, leave her eyes. Like, that, the white little shine that mm-hmm. all the characters have. That was good. It's gone. After you have a flashback back to Arlong Park. And I'm just going, oh my god. It's clicking for me, right? This is before... You know, we get the whole experience of the movie. So I'm thinking, like, Golden Lion's, like, one of the best villains at this point. And I'm thinking, like, okay, which real 
villain is he related to, but I couldn't figure it out. And I go, oh my god, he's like Arlong. Right, for this moment. So I'm like, oh boy, he shot up to my favorite movie villain so far. So far. And we're seeing the sequence. And then probably the most confusing and oddly confusing uh, presented, awkwardly presented scenes in the movie. The gold mine gives Nami a dial, right? Say your last farewell to your old crew, right? You're going to join me now permanently. So I immediately, I had two possible scenarios, right? That's going to happen, especially because the movie doesn't show you right away what she says. So I'm going, okay, so scenario A, because the gold mine is watching over her, she's going to say everything that he wants to hear, right? Like, I don't want to be with you guys anymore, or you guys are too weak. But there's going to be something thrown in there that he wouldn't understand, but they would. Something that um, that she would never say. I was expecting something like, okay, but the whole message plays out. And then she goes like, oh, you can throw out my tangerine trees if you want or something shit like that. And all the strats would go, she would never ask us right. to do that. That's like the most precious thing to her besides money. So clearly, she's being in distress. We're going after her, right? Or scenario B, which is, Bucky Golden Lion, right? You're taking me against my will. Luffy, Straw Hats, come get me, right? That was going to be scenario A, scenario B. Unfortunately, what we get is confusing because the movie decides to try to do a fake-out plot line because it makes you question the character, even though if you know Nami, it's like she's not going to do this at all, right? So it's kind of wasting our time, and also the way it's presented is very confusing because what happens is the Straw Hats all reunite, right? Robin, Frankie, Brooke, they catch up and save the Straw Hats that were stuck in the obelisk. Um, you even get a little moment as well before Nami makes the message from Usopp that's kind of like a callback to Water 7, right? Where he's like, don't lose faith in Luffy, right? But again, like, we didn't really need that because this is Nami. She's already had her arc, so it's confusing to me why it's in the hindsight, right? At the moment, this was going great up until we hear the message of, like, why they're setting it up like this. And we hear the message, and it's sounding like scenario A, right? Where she's, like, saying, oh, just leave me behind kind of thing. Okay, she's faking it, right? She's going to leave an obvious clue in there, right? Where she's going to be located at. Or, like, some cue of, like, come get me, but not directly. But instead, what happens that's so jarring and out of character, of all characters, Luffy hears the first couple lines. He gets so irate and angry. He doesn't listen to the whole thing and just goes, I can't believe Nami would think we wouldn't rescue her. I can't believe her. I'm so disappointed in her. That does not sound like Luffy to me at all. I agree. So as much as I love this movie, this whole sequence, this message and how it's presented is so... uh, It reminds me of that one chapter from Whiskey Peak where Luffy attacked Zoro, but that was like half a chapter. Right, and that was for like some side characters. It's a blip on the radar to the overall One Piece experience. This is like the key emotional crutch of this movie, so it's distracting to say the least. And yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so and all the Straw Hats too are like Sanji, right? He's even going, Wait, hey, can you play the whole message again? And it starts from the very beginning again, but as the audience, we still don't hear the whole message because we are at Luffy's perspective, and he's just punching the rocks out of anger. And we know he's still going to rescue Nami, but he's so... 
uncertain. It's so weird because I always saw Luffy as the one straw hat, if anyone, to always have the sixth sense to know they're in distress. No matter what they say, I'm gonna be I'm gonna outstubborn them, right? Even if they think what they're saying is truthful, I know the actual truth, and I'm gonna outstubborn them. Arlong Park, we see this. Water Seven, we see this. We see this over and over again with other straw hats. But for this one, he like makes a quick assumption that like someone like maybe I don't know, like Usopp would do or Frankie would do, where it's like, wait, do they really like lose their faith in us? Really? That's it? But instead, the Straw Hats listen to the message off camera, and we're like left with this fake out for the rest of this movie uncertainty until we get to the very end. And I'm just like, oh, all you had to do was just play the whole message for Luffy or Luffy just to be in character. Well, and not even yeah, listen so to that, the that's not the problem, though, that he didn't hear the whole message. Yeah, you the whole I mean? message. Yeah, exactly. It's the fact that he wouldn't have just crushed the dial and just be like, no, she's under distress. She doesn't mean this. We're going to save her. Right. And not even have that whole ulterior the motivation. And by the way, if you're wondering, like, why I'm saying, like, why he's so disappointed, he literally says this to her at the very, very end of the movie. Yeah, he does. Well, he re- reiterates that he was upset. Yeah. And he's the only one, too, where all the Straw Hats are, like, mocking him, going, wait, you didn't hear the whole message? She wanted us to rescue her. Let's play the whole thing. And it tries to play off, like, as a fun, like, wholesome family moment. But the whole time, I'm still confused, going, like, but Luffy would be the first one to go, no, Nami wants us to rescue her. I know it in my heart. I know it in my gut, right? Like, literally, back in Arlong Park, she's literally, like, yelling at Luffy, I don't want to see you or your crew ever again, right? But even then, Luffy is still stubborn enough to go back to her at her lowest point, and then we finally see her come out, right? We see her express that the need for help. Or like for Robin, for example, when Zoro, the second in command, is going, okay, we don't know for sure if Robin is a friend or an enemy, let's decide here and now. And without missing a beat, Luffy goes, she's a friend. We're rescuing her no matter what. And then over time, the rest of that arc, the other Straw Hats slowly, right, they, in their own ways, right? They start going, oh, Robin is a friend. She had motivations to help us, but in her own way. Got it, right? But Luffy is always the first one to go, no, they are a friend. No matter what they're saying, no matter what they're doing, there's something else there. Yeah, for I pretty much think that that's, that's not the one issue that I really have with Strong World. Pretty much the only really glaring issue is that, like, as my favorite character being Luffy, as most people know, Absolutely. he was definitely out of character there. He he would never lose faith in Nami, but also because I feel no investment at all in this fake out, you know, exactly, even though the, the movie can real. attempt to sell it to me really hard, I completely will overlook it. I'm fine doing that. I'm fine completely <laughs> ignoring everything about it and just enjoying the rest of this movie, yeah. which I can do and I will yeah. continue to do upon rewatch. Mm-hmm. So if anything, for me, it would have to be I would have to like use like a shortcut app or something and just splice out that part where Luffy gets super angry or disappointed in the movie. <laughs> just cut those parts out. And then I'm like, but that awesome. action, best one. <laughs> movie. <laughs> the, the climax but, action pops yeah. off. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, that's just me, though. I'm always someone who's like, make sure the characters and motivations are correct. And uh, one more, I'll say it's also like it kind of hurts because they seem to really nail all the other characters' personalities in just those little scenes, such as there's a scene where like 
Frankie is going to angrily say something, but Robin kind of smoothly cuts him off, you know, to keep their exactly, cover down. Yeah. And then the scenes when everyone is sleeping and the little girl is running into the village. So Zoro wakes up because, you know, he hears footsteps and, you know, yep. no one runs up on fucking Zoro. You know, like yep. little things like that. Like you, you think that they're really on point, really getting the straw hats. So it really sucks that they had to force in this, you know, fake scene. And yeah, that really fails to capture Luffy. Yeah, the most this... important straw hat in our Ghibli. Yeah this confusing awkwardly done fake out sequence because again if it was just so straightforward and it was just okay we know for a fact nami is not actually turning on us she wants to rescue her but she just had to do her thing or whatever her way i would not have any complaints about this movie (laughs) except for like robin being sidelined little things like that or like the side characters being kind of just there but I still would have immensely loved the movie because all the Straw Hats were 100% true to themselves, like Dead End Adventure, right? And it was enjoyable from beginning to end. But we just have this one critical part of the movie that unfortunately does taint it for me. It doesn't make it the worst movie, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I would have easily made this my favorite movie easy in the rankings that we do at the end of the episode. But because of this, it's going to be why it's not going to be my top favorite. But it's fine. We got it out of the way. I'm glad I got that out. <laughs> it holds up I for warned, me. I warned Justin ahead of time, too. I'm like, I might go real in-depth with this part. Because it bugged me so fucking much. Because otherwise, this movie is so fucking perfect. But then you got this. <laughs> got this part. It bugged me so much. It's okay. It's over. It's over. It's fine. It's fine. So, basically, but, we already kind of talked about the, the the beginning of that climactic scene. A little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. When they the straw hats roll up to do their recovery, Uh, we great roll up. I don't think we fully sold it though, right? We mentioned the drip check, but we didn't mention the actual like. Okay, so Golden Lion he invited all pull up. (laughs) Yeah, so the Golden Lion part of his plan also is that he invited a bunch of pirates. I wanted to volunteer, right? Which is kind of weird because it looks like he's just inviting them. He's not like actually putting them through like what I thought, right? The dangerous game test. They're just grunts. Yeah, yeah, they're just grunts. We also get a funny little callback. We get the bartender back from Dead Adventure. He's there for like a split second, like just cleaning the glass. I saw that. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, what's up, dude? Um, (laughs) And we get the we get like a whole like Yakuza classic scene, right? They're they're sitting like at the the long low table. They get like their sake glasses, right? And they're going like a toast to world domination. At this point, the Golden Lion has become a generic shonen villain, or sorry, a movie villain at this point. So he's just kind of blind at this point, unfortunately. However, then you get the Straw Hats literally coming in, coop to burst from the... Uh, is, it, is that what it's called? With the Thousand Sunny? Yeah. The coop to burst. Coop to burst. Coop to burst. Yeah, thank you. And they just go... They just bash right through the front gates. They don't give a fuck. While that's going on, of course, because we know Nami didn't actually turn traitor. She was trying to fuck up the Golden Lion somehow. She was trying to blow up... Because the Golden Lion's HQ... Uh, he has a whole ring of daft greens around his base so the animals don't attack him, right? She was trying to rig the plants with dynamite. I don't know where she got the dynamite, but she was trying to rig a segment, but she got daft incredibly fast because she was surrounded by a dense portion of it. And Also, I just want to say, I feel like his plan was heavily revolving around none of those creatures being able to breathe fire. Yeah, that's kind of They could have burned those trees too. down. Like, of any all... single creature had evolved that way. Yeah, of all the biomes in his archipelago, you would think, yeah, one of them would be like a a lizard or like a Komodo dragon or a dragon even, where it's just like, yeah, this one has some fire. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) if if you can have Billy, you could totally get a dragon out of this. 
Oh, absolutely. Or yeah, like a fire billy. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's it is shown that you can't fly over it because the spores do expand quite a bit far. They always mention how like it stings the noses so bad of animals. That's why even Chopper can't deal with it without like plugging up his nose. But even Billy can't fly over it without some effort, without some trouble put into it. But yeah, just one animal with fire. Who knew? Um, but yeah, there's a fake out there as well where you think Nami might die because she's suffering from daft, and then the gold mine's like leaving her out in the cold and like also that was kind of like the reverse of his plan too where he's just like if you die out here okay whatever whatever i want a navigator but you're kind of giving me enough trouble so i'm just gonna leave you out here in the cold if you survive cool if not eh, i gotta deal with something else right now yeah. this is kind of weird you know it's kind of too quick for that um but yeah yeah the yakuza scene where they just burst through the front door zoro like cuts through one door sanji cut uh kicks open the other they come out through the smoke they're lined up and you mentioned it already, too, but it bears repeating, where they don't use their usual weapons, right, or their tactics right away. They just go, no, nah, this is pure disrespect. We're going full disrespect, Yakuza. We got these big-ass guns that Frankie and Usopp might have had in the back somewhere. I think Zoro had, like, a triple-barreled gun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and they just start unloading. Because, again, these guys are just goons. Goldmine's plan was fucking stupid. <laughs> he had no actual good support roles to help. Entire him out. army d destroyed. Yeah, they're just like yeah, they're dripped out too. Don't get me wrong, they're dressed up too. But boy, they do not back up the drip they are wearing because they, they get shot down, it. intimidated. But yeah, the straw hats run out of ammo, and then they start fighting their individual officers. Um, there is one part that's a little unclear because it looks like because you know, Luffy's going after the Golden Lion right away. Zoro immediately fights the clown, right? Because Indigo pulled out a sword, therefore swordsman. <laughs> Zoro opponent, yeah. Um, Scarlet goes out to try and punch Luffy as he's walking or running. Sanji interferes. We go, okay, Sanji and Scarlet, and then Zoro and Indigo. And I'm guessing the rest of the Straw Hats are dealing with the goons in some way, sure. Um, at some point, Usopp and Chopper, they do find Nami. They rig the explosives, or again, another fake out. You think she's going to die from the dynamite explosion because she was able to light it, but she survives the explosion even though she was in it. Again, it's really weird. Explosions <laughs> just don't kill in One Piece. Explosions don't kill in movies. <laughs> Simple True. as that. Because even if a character's an explosion, you still don't know if they're dead, right? There's always a moment where it's like, oh, I was actually in a vent underneath, or I actually would, <laughs> yeah. or I survived. People don't understand how explosions shit. work, do they? Yep. That's why that scene from uh, the other guys with Will Ferrell, where, where they actually hit, hear the explosion, they just go, that's so loud. How do people do that in movies? <laughs> um, but yeah, like Nami somehow survives the explosion, but Chopper and Usopp, they get her. They also find the cure. The part that was confusing for me was, you know how I mentioned how Zoro fights Indigo and Sanji fights the gorilla, Scarlet? There's a part where they separate, even though it doesn't seem like they ran away. Like, Indigo fights Zoro, but then the next time we see Indigo, he's already at the medical lab, like, confronting right. Chopper and Usopp. And then Zoro walks in as if they're just going to start the fight. It's like a weird editing mistake, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, then how come you showed that beginning scene? Um, Scarlet, the same way. Scarlet was fighting Sanji, and then suddenly Scarlet is away and captures Robin because Robin, because some of the animals got through, right? Because the Daft Green exploded, right? There was a moth that immediately got through. It made her cough and made her knocked her out. And then Scarlet grabbed her, make like a King Kong reference, I guess. Yeah. 
and then yeah so that kind of shows off that almost like Sanji and Zoro both lost their targets it made them look inept but I but when I saw that though I'm like that looks more like an editing issue than an actual character issue that, that was that was that's that's a minus point from that but either way it's still fun um you mentioned it pre-recording the animation colors and quality for the Zoro fight when he's fighting Indigo. Uh, yeah, so dude, man, <laughs> it's so nice. So since it looks kind of like dull in the background because you're just out in the snow and it's just like white in the back. Yeah, and then the, you got colors, the colors that you have like added in, like that they do visually in these fights are awesome. Like with Zoro, his opponent is using those purplish green flames, and he's you know slicing them. They're like sparking off his sword and kind of streaking across the screen. It looks get, so good. We get the Asura form as well. I'll call back to Ini's lobby at that point. Um, and it has like the pink or like the scarlet white flames as he's going through the energy blast before he does his final attack. I would. I don't know if we had gotten this yet in the future, but I would love to see because this scene looked like they're playing around with lighting and colors. What if there was a scene where Zoro fought like in the pitch black, but you still had these effects, right? So cool. all you saw were the attacks being the made. The sword slashes and yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, so as an experimental thing, don't make it like the whole fight, but like a segment of it. I would like to see that in the future because the animators are definitely getting budget. They're definitely getting better. So it's like, all right, you sold me on this Zoro fight. Now the next step, what's the next one? You know, how are you do it next time? Um, the Sanji fight, uh, it's, it's done the Sanji way, right? He sees Robin in trouble, King Kong style. But the animation here was also really fucking good because he yeah, runs up crisp. that tower so crisp, so smoothly that the twirl, right, so quick. You see the the, the dust behind him when he's running. Sanji's up. scenes always like feel good in the anime because his theme when it hits right is just awesome. And even when it's not playing now, I can just hear it in my head. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good his theme is. It makes his like you know it makes him in motion just work better. Yeah, there was one part I was uh, that I think in hindsight would have been better is. You know how he always charges up his foot for his fire kick, the Diablo kick? Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been charged up when he was running up the tower. You know, because he's running so fast and angry. Oh, yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> but instead, he gets up there and then does a charge up. I'm just like, you couldn't save time if he ran up while doing it. I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's a hindsight thing. Um, he does his big save. He, um, he kicks Scarlet with hardly any effort. Robin is starting to fall. And Sanji, dude, Sanji, he's going to get his moment finally, dude. Like, he's usually at the <laughs> bottom of my list, but you know what? He's going to earn it this time. He saved her from King Kong. He's, she's falling. He's going to grab her. It's going to be great. And then in comes Brooke. <laughs> I loved it. Because Brooke and Sanji were like back to back, which is actually another really well shot scene, by the way, where Sanji's like looking at the camera and Brooke is super tall, but he's right behind Sanji. It was like a great brotherhood moment. But it's to remind you that Brooke's right there, too. Brooke jumps past the moonlight in front of the moon. Great <laughs> shot. He snaps up Robin. Sanji's getting so pissed. But then Brooke's like, are you okay, mademoiselle? Like, he's going full on, like, suave, it like, was, easy uh, mode at great. that point. <laughs> Robin thanks him. Sanji is screaming at him while he's falling. And he's just going, you motherfucker, you took the spotlight. How to-? And before he could finish, smack <laughs> into the crowd. <laughs> It was the funniest moment in the movie by far, because usually I don't like those Sanji moments, but it was such a perfect moment. I was laughing so good. It was really funny. And I was even upset a little bit, too, because I'm like, poor Sanji, he could have had one moment. <laughs> he could have had one actual superhero moment. Or Power Ranger moment. Power Ranger moment. 
he didn't quite get it. <laughs> another but, really know. good like just visual choice while we're talking about those main fights was Luffy's. How is gear second rather oh, than adding yes. more white? You know, to having regular moment, steam. Yeah, it would have really muddied up the screen when you already got all the snow on. So they're like, you know what? Let's, Let's just make pink. that steam pink. Let's make and that I could not approve pink. more of this choice because it, it makes it, it, it makes it look so much more dynamic. It gives you something that pops off the screen. It, yeah. it was a very good choice. It makes sense too because whenever I saw the clips in the anime, whenever he had that gear two glow, he had the steam, but his skin had like a little pink glow to it. And in this movie, they just went, "Let's make the steam pink too," right? And it definitely stands out, like you said, in contrast with the dark white snow. It definitely stood out a lot more. And I have to give credit to probably my favorite section of animation in the entire movie. Um, there's a point of view shot. That when the Golden Lion and Luffy are like duking it out in the sky, by the way, because, you know, zero gravity, he can fly. And then Luffy is riding on the back of Billy. Shout out to Billy. <laughs> you, you convert me, by the way. I used to call him Beery, but yeah, I'm call- I, like him, I like Billy now. It, it's just uh, like, because it, it's a loan word, like Bill, Habiru. It's just yeah. Bill. So it's Billy. Yeah. And then he's, there's a first person perspective shot where they're flying through the air and the Golden Lion does a direct blow on Luffy and Luffy is tumbling through the snow, like he's cartwheeling. Like it's kind of funny. But it looks so crisp, so good. Billy flies in low, so he cartwheels onto back on his back. And this is still first-person perspective shot. Luffy gets back on, punches the camera, and then we switch to Luffy's perspective as the Golden Lion is flying back in the sky, going yeah. through one of the archipelagos, going through it like Super Saiyan style, and then he charges back. And I'm just like, this is so good storyboarding. Yeah, this is so really good. Good. <laughs> and at that point, I was. And I admit, as much as I hate that part of the movie with the uh, the fake fake out, this part made me forget. <laughs> Where I'm just like, I was getting so hyped. I was just like, let's fucking go. Yeah. It's such a great moment. So I will give credit for the Luffy and Lion action sequence. It got so good to the points where I was forgetting the ongoing bad part of the movie. And, oh, that was such crisp animation. There was one part, because the end of that sequence was also a great send off because especially if you read volume zero where the last words that the gold lion says he screams out roger's name in defiance before he goes um there's one part i didn't like was the person who set up that that attack was usopp and not nami even though it's like a lightning strike to help power up uh right. luffy's thor kick or thor axe whatever it was called um you would think it'd be Nami, because at this point, she got the cure, she's better, she, you know, she ripped the dress, like we mentioned, and she's like, she's out there, she's confronting the Golden Lion. Yeah, she was very available for this moment. Yeah, and she hasn't done anything action-wise. Usopp definitely did, both for the tag team sequence, when he was, oh, Usopp was riding on the back of Chopper like an Elden Ring mount, or like a Princess Monona came oh, out. Oh, yeah, during this oh, scene. Oh my god, it was so great. When he's looking for Nami. <laughs> so great for chopper and usopp i'm just like oh that's perfect uh anyway sorry i had to bring that up again because honestly yeah i'd be open to that returning have like chopper running usopp around a battlefield while he snipes yeah because then usopp gets the speed and then he can practice being like a like a a horse archer but you know a ranger archer and he's doing his movement and his accuracy oh it's so great anyway uh (laughs) as we're nerding out on possible tag teams in the future um yeah, Nami's on the rooftop, and then the Golden Lion's confronting her, but I guess she gets repelled by one of one of the Lion's attacks while she's, like, you know, shouting him down. And then she's just blown away, and then Usopp's the one that fires, like, 
a projectile into the clouds because yeah, you were talking weekend. about Elden Ring. He did a spell straight out of that game. Is what it looked straight like. Up. <laughs> but my disappointment was like Nami is literally holding the climb attack in her hands. The only time we really see the climb attack used in the movies was I think movie seven, the mech movie, where she's solving a puzzle. Yeah, I think. We, yeah, so, seriously, like where where is this climb attack? Where is my climb attack in the movie? These movies have really been helping Nami, <laughs> and that was literally that's just undisputable. And that could have been her great. That could have been the climb attack's great introduction to the movies, right? Where it's like I'm gonna call down. She a hasn't big used ass the new strike. climb attack at all. Nope, not at all. Not in these movies. Wow. <sighs> that's why I'm still disappointed. Again, it was a cool moment for Usopp, but it definitely screamed Nami because you have literally the cyclone forming. The clouds are already there, Nami. Just split the pressure, like you know how, and cause that lightning strike. But she doesn't do it. Instead, they give it to Nami. Uh, Usopp. Nami gets no respect. None. She's the damsel in this movie. She has a few moments as part of that weird fake out. Robin sidelines super hard, too. But, like yeah. Robin gets sidelined sometimes, but Robin gets respect. You know what I mean? Via the drip. I feel like Nami <laughs> just doesn't get much respect. He doesn't really. Despite the movie focusing on her in this movie, right? Despite her being like a main driving point. That's also why I was talking about the uh that's also why I was talking about like how the Golden Line's motivations for world domination also fall flat. Because we don't care about that. We care more about the crew getting Nami back because the main concern, right? The straw hats yeah. getting back together. So that's also why like they really didn't need that domination plot line, because I'm just like, no, you already have a personal plot line, because you already have, unfortunately, Nami as a damsel in distress again. Just stick with that and just make it simple, you know, have it so that, you know, she's captured, but she's still trying to get away. Like she's trying to blow up the daft trees. Sure. Have the fake tension where you think, oh, my gosh, she's going to die. Whatever. We're not going to buy it. (laughs) It's plot. It's plot armor. Um, And it's not only plot armor, it's shown in movie plot armor because it's non-canon. But yeah, all this weird stuff where it's like you could have just given her that little moment. Like, I'm not saying the lightning strike to kill. Or defeat Goldline? Hell no. I'm talking about the strike to power up Luffy yeah. so he can do his kick. Again, Nami is best in action when she's a support role. Yeah, we've talked about it before. If, yeah, especially our whole Cake Island episode, if y'all exactly. haven't heard it. But she's really good in a support role. We loved that. Could have done it here yeah, as well. Absolutely. Missed it. Yep. So Yeah, so in the movie, Goldline eats it. The Nami, uh, the Nami, the Navy uh, finds all the islands falling down. Because, you know, just like Crocodile, right? When you get defeated, your power shuts off your passive ability. So all the islands start raining down. Their scout ships detect it. They see the... <laughs> I do like the detail. The Straw Hat uh, Thousand Sunny is floating down with a, a parachute from uh, the Golden Lion's ship, his sail. So that's why initially they thought it was the Golden Lion. But then they saw the Straw Hat <laughs> sail underneath it. Like, oh, no, it's a Straw Hat. Shit, it's them again. It even <laughs> said Goku was like, they did all this and not us. <laughs> so that was like a nice little detail of like the Navy going... Yeah, these straw hats are kind of a problem. <laughs> we should probably do something about it before they eventually send, uh, you know, Kuma the Khan to do the deal at Shibodi. But yeah, end of the movie. Then we get the revolution, the revo- the resolution to that awkwardly presented fake out. Yeah, blah blah blah. So, yeah, 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 surprise. Nami is not a traitor. She didn't lose faith, but because the the movie really made Luffy look like a dumbass in this movie, it was really poorly done at the end. Despite the fact that everyone looks fantastic, you know, animation's great when they're, it's cute of them, like, running around trying to, you know, grab the dial. Even Usopp's in it, too, because he's just like, no, that's good equipment. We can't just toss it. But, again, it was a just a unpleasant way to end the movie because it was a reminder of the worst part about the movie. 
that I already knew the answer to. Um, Golden Lion didn't come out as the best villain. Unfortunately, that's still easily Baron Omatsuri uh, for movie villains. Yeah, um, easily. Yeah. Um, but overall, as you've heard for the last hour, hour and a half, this movie, when it does the right things, it is like a 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10. So fucking fun. Fantastic. It's pretty much a 10 out of 10 if you can look past that one thing. Exactly. That's why I was... That's why I really wanted to focus on that bad part, because I would have given this movie a 9 or a 10 out of 10. Right. It's just good. It's just good fun. But but because of me and my stupid-ass, like, focus on characters and consistency, even though it's a shonen movie, I'm still going, it bothers me so much, even though everything is so good. The fan service. The animation, the action, the storyboarding, and cinematography. But that one moment, it really brought me back out. So That's I think it. I might get controversial for this, but I'm going to give this a strong seven. It's not, not my. That's not that controversial, I don't think. Yeah. I would say an eight. I'm saying eight. I, I would say it's controversial because I, I know people say this is their favorite One Piece movie. So it's very clear this is not my favorite. It's top three, definitely. I think movie six with Baron Amaturi is still my favorite movie. That was also an eight out of 10. Um, Dead End Adventure, I think overall was just a better movie, just because again, doesn't the characters are all done correctly, right? That's my focus. Even though the animation is much poorer compared to this one, because you know it's for its time, you know, um, it still was overall more fun experience. This one, the fun parts were so hype and so good, but the few bad parts, the one jarring bad part, boy, it it brought it down like at least a whole two points because you made my boy Luffy. So dumb. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think I may be wrong, but in my experience, the next one is the one that most people think is their favorite, that I think most people say is their favorite. Okay, because I, that's so consistent, because I've heard a few people did say Strong World's their favorite, but I also did hear that Strong World and On, all these movies are so fucking good. We we hit a golden era from here on, in my opinion. A golden lion. Now I can say for sure, because now that I've, yeah, they're good. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a 7 out of 10, it's a strong 7, it still gets my seal of must-watch. If you're a One Piece fan, oh, yeah. absolutely watch absolutely. this movie. You might be more like Justin, right? Where it's like, sure, it's a little distracting, that bad part, but honestly, it didn't bother me that much. It might be a 9 or even a 10 yeah, for you. Yeah, it's just a movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's It's exactly. But me being me, I have to be out nerdy and go like, well, I have to judge this. Oda was a part of this, and it's one piece. It's the integrity of the series. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun still watching this movie. I will definitely rewatch it sometime in the future. I will likely fast forward through those bad parts. But it's fine. It's only five minutes, ten minutes total of a two-hour movie. Hour and 50 minutes of good quality content. Still really fucking good. So with that, I think that concludes the coverage of the movie, right? Yes, I believe so. Uh, if you wanted to, if they wanted to find you, Justin, where can they contact you? You can uh, contact me at Jitsu on Twitter. That's J-I-T-S-Z-U. Hit me up with your thoughts about this movie, or actually now any One Piece movie or anything One Piece. We're all the way caught up. Well, but Jacob's he's, not caught up. He's all the, all the way caught movies. up. <laughs> yeah. He's still a couple movies behind. And where can they find you and talk about stuff? Yeah, if you want to talk to me about Strong World and how I completely missed the point of the fun of the movie because I overanalyzed 10 minutes of the movie, you can contact me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. That is J-O-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A. You can leave us a review for for constructive feedback or criticism or even praise if you wish to on Spotify, 
iTunes, five-star reviews if you could. Can you review on Stitcher? I don't know. If you're listening on Stitcher, you can do that on Stitcher, <laughs> probably. You tell me. We, yeah. We also got a Patreon going on, uh, www.patreon.com slash OP is OP. Uh, just uh, any kind of feedback, any kind of uh, support, we appreciate it. Uh, we also have a Discord channel open if you guys want to just drop on in. We talk about anything One Piece, anything general related, even mainly One Piece stuff. Just want to give a quick shout out to our current patron. Thank you guys so much for supporting us and for hanging out in the Discord. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much for that. And on top of that, there's another uh, offer we made where at least once a month we uh, we get together and just have like a, a you know, an, an voice channel chat on Discord and just talk about whatever we want. Maybe a Q&A, maybe just talk about One Piece, maybe general life stuff. Uh, we do plan on having our first hangout at uh, 7 p.m. on April 8th. Uh, sorry, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Yes. So 7 p.m. PST on April 8th. That will be a Friday night for us. We look forward to chatting with you guys. We'll be in the Discord channel. Come just through. Out. Absolutely. Come hang out. <laughs> That'll be the best time, too, if you say I'm absolutely wrong about Strong World. <laughs> you can come back and <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, I don't know. I might try and get that set up on, like, a stream so that if we have our patrons in us in, in VC and just stream the rest, if anyone just wanted to watch, if we're going to talk about One Piece or whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be our first time doing a Hangout thing, so we're going to work it out as we go. Um, God, Strong World is so good. It really is. It hurts to give it a strong 7, but it's also, like, it's a strong World 7. It huh. Seal approval. Watch it. And the next film that we're going to be reviewing is not 3D Straw Hat Chase, if you count that. <laughs> Though we're probably going to do a short Patreon episode on that if you if you just really want to know our thoughts on it. If not that, it. if not that, we might strap it on at the end of one of the other films. I don't know. <laughs> if you guys, if anyone wants to know what we think about that movie and wants to watch it, then say so. Otherwise, probably yeah. Won't. I'm curious about it, but I'm not, like, dying to know kind of thing. Because I saw glimpses of it, I'm like, it's a, it looks like a project. It looks like it could be a fun or whatever. But it's, like, half hour. It's super short, I think. Rather, so, we'll we're see. skipping we'll straight to, to film Z. Ooh. Is Goku, Goku going to make an appearance? Perhaps. No spoilers. You have to wait. <laughs> no you have spoilers. to watch and find out, if you will. And we'll cover that next time on OP is OP. Yep, and that episode will be releasing the 13th of April next week. Oh, let's see you guys then. Bye-bye.